Hi, good people, and welcome to Black Women in Wellness, a podcast amplifying the voices of Black women wellness practitioners out doing good in the world. I'm your host and the creator of this series, Rachel Heath. Today, I'll be sharing with you an interview I did with Venetia Running Wolf. Venetia Running Wolf is a medicinal musician out of South Carolina. She's been practicing in the realm of music and sound therapy for over 12 years. Some of the tools she uses to work with clients are medicinal songs, gongs, flutes, and the Chinese Guzheng harp. She also works with cannabis ceremonially as a medicinal aid to deepen the processes of discovery and healing for her clients. During our chat, we talked about her work as a sound therapist, her time in China, and she even shares some music with us. Here's the interview. Hi, good people. This is post-edit Rachel. Just jumping in here to give two disclaimers about this episode. First, I noticed in the edit that during the Zoom call, there were a few moments where it's a bit echoey in the audio. Please bear with the interview. It is definitely worth it to make it to the end so you can hear Venetia play the flute and the Guzheng harp. And the second disclaimer is that during this episode, we do talk about the use of cannabis. And I just want to say that in no way is the Black Women in Wellness podcast promoting the use of cannabis. If you do intend to use cannabis in any way, please make sure that you are of age and that you have done your research about the legalities of that in your area and you're making sure that you are buying something that is going to be able to give you wellness and not cause you harm. Those are my disclaimers for this episode. Enjoy. And I'm so excited to have you here today um, to learn more about your journey as a medicinal musician and also your journey with cannabis. So I want to start from the beginning and just ask you what your earliest memories of being kind of a part of wellness practices or seeing wellness practices in your childhood where you were growing up? Um, I think that the earliest part of wellness practices, to be absolutely honest with you, started as a child. And it's like you may not necessarily categorize it as such because you're just kind of doing your thing in childhood. But for me, having the opportunity to be in nature as a child, you know, uh, my father was in the military, so we had the opportunity to go to many beautiful places. But where I know my movement began in terms of <clears throat> recognizing the healing power of nature in particular and being able to kind of transpose that over into um, music had to happen when I would say we were stationed in um, Pennsylvania. We lived in the mountains. And I remember there were so many days where I would just kind of take off and be up the hill and I would be deep up in those spaces and I would see the waters kind of babbling through the brook or, you know, it was just so many, there were so many opportunities to just kind of witness the majesty of nature and all that it has to offer. And that I, be, I believe just kind of set my wheels turning. I remember at a young age kind of collecting crystals. At that time, I didn't know what it was. It, to me, it could have been pretty glass, but I was collecting them and putting them in the window seal. And I must've been about nine at the time. And um, ever since then, 
I think that there was a tapping into that space that allows you to kind of know a little bit more deeply where things can go. And at that time, I was also into my my um, my music. You know, I remember kind of hooking up, you know, at this point, Ray, this is when we had play pause tapes, you know. <laughs> this is when we had the play pause tape. So I remember being in my bedroom and having a little purple radio, with a little play pause tape. And I must have had two decks because I remember doing that start and stop thing and then just kind of recording over tapes and getting your own thing going. I remember kind of, you know, making beats with uh, the bass that would kind of slap back off of an old speaker I had. So it was like all coming together at that time. And I knew that, you know, I think once I got into my late teens, um, I had already kind of gone through this place of, you know, being a little bit confused in terms of what I wanted to do musically. I always have been a musician, but um, there was this part of me that was very deeply um, knowing that the introvert in me didn't necessarily want fame and just kind of moving with what that would look like if you were to move into that space as a musician. So it was like sitting with that and still continuing to create um, something kind of came about, I would say maybe about, you know, late teens. And I was like, I think I really need to do, you know, music as medicine. I think that sound therapy is going to be something for me. I think there's something there with that. And so I just kind of began to play around with lots of different things. I started buying all kinds of instruments, which I started doing when I was younger, like, you know, 17. I started buying lots of instruments, but then I would get, you know, different drums from around the world. And as the, as the years progressed and the collection grew, and um, I began to kind of draw back and put it all together, you know, through some of the experiences that I had and just through my own spiritual walk, it began to come together, you know. So it was a, it was a gradual process, you know. Before that, I would say I was always into holistics and always into um, doing any kind of uh, practice that would help just kind of heal the body from a natural perspective. I am a certified hypnotherapist. I do, um, uh, I'm a certified Tibetan bowl sound therapist as well. But I mean, there are so many different modalities that I absolutely love and incorporate within the art of um, music and sound at this point. Um, EFT is one of them, one of my absolute favorites. Um, and, and honestly, being raised in the church. I mean, that's where black medicine and music to me started the deepest, you know, that's where you see it in action. You see it in motion. You know, my mother had me in the church. We were raised in the church. I mean, so it was like, just seeing music and medicine kind of move in its way and understanding the alchemy of how sound does what it does to the spirit. From that perspective, I think just kind of uh, seep deep within my bones. And that also helps to kind of shape the way in the path. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you about how that, that root in the church is kind of our first introduction to how spirit can move in different ways. And I wonder, like, you, you talk about going to church and like finding your journey, but who are your support systems along the way? And who are your mentors that kind of pushed you along and helped you to develop in your wellness practice? Um, in terms of people that I know or just in general? Just in general. Just in general. Um, okay. I could say that the people that really influenced me most, I would have to go back to some of the um, spiritual musicians of, of some of our uh, best times in music. I'm going back to Alice Coltrane. I'm going back to, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sun Ra, I'm going back to all of those artists that were just kind of Dorothy Ashby that were just really kind of laying down a very fine line 
for what it looks like to incorporate spirituality and music. And then, of course, there were some influences that came from some of the beauty and the mysticism of how God just kind of makes um, his self, herself, itself known through some of the writings of Sufi mystics. Um, that was a big influencing factor. And then um, I could just say, of course, I had spiritual mentors along the way. You know, I had some people in my life, especially some sister friends of mine who were older than me, that just kind of really helped point me towards some paths that I didn't really have access to that allowed me to blossom and bloom um, in a way that also helped. Um, so I could say, you know, just as I'm thinking about it in, 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 this, in this moment, that's what I can, I can come with. And then traveling, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of seeing how that moves in different countries and seeing how, you know, things show up. You know, I spent some time, I lived in Asia and spending time in the temples and just kind of listening to some of the spiritual music and listening to some of that spirit at work and the practices that they would use in terms of healing their people as a whole was very influential. And, and throughout that process, like being that, that little girl, like finding healing in nature and, and, and being that little girl, noticing how sound healed people in the church to, to growing into a woman who traveled and, and was obviously very observant to be able to continue to develop your path. What kinds of responses did you have from the people around you? So for example, your family or your friends, like were they receptive to what you were doing? Did they understand what you were doing? Was there any resistance on their part? Um, now this is where I could say I have been absolutely blessed. Um, my family has always been supportive of every angle of music that I brought to the table. Even if at times they may not have fully understood it, they've always been supportive. Even if they did not get it, they were always there. So I never had, I never really had any level of resistance from anyone around me in terms of those that I loved. Um, and like I said, it was a gradual process. I think that there were times at which, you know, they may see me doing one thing and then you pop out and you're doing something completely different. And it's like, well, that's my child. Or that's, that's, that's her, you know, <laughs> we know, you know, so it was, it was just, I don't know if it was just kind of like just curiosity in terms of what it is that is developing within this young lady, but you know, my family has always been most gracious and most supportive, you know, in, in, um, in my medicine walk. It's, um, I feel so blessed in that way, to be absolutely honest with you, you know, because, and like I said, because, you know, I think a lot of people that go through these things, they are oftentimes met with a lot of opposition from family members, especially if they were raised, you know, in some very strict households with religious views and um, understandings that did not meet with that, what you were doing, you know. Um, but my family, it's like, even though we were raised in the church, you know, there's like a spirit that moves through my bloodline that is so vast and expansive that is very much so rooted in that. But then you can also tell that there is a backdrop of um, a very wide um, indigenous understanding of some things that just kind of resides on both sides of my bloodline. And so they've always been super supportive. I've always had a lot of support um, at every angle. So I could say it's just been a wonderful blessing. For sure. Uh, you know, I, I think that as Black wellness practitioners, it, it kind of, we have the spectrum of responses from family, from what are you doing to, wow, that's really interesting. How can I get involved? So it's really wonderful that you had that kind of support from your family. 
And I also want to talk about your travels because I know that you've, you've studied in China and you've traveled quite a bit in Asia. What was that experience like for you? Tell us, tell us about your travels. Um, well, I think that that experience for one just kind of introduced me to what it looked like to grow into my womanhood, you know, to travel. And at that time, obviously it was a small time at which I was there alone, but I have an 18 year old daughter. And so I brought her with me and at the time she was six. So we spent the duration of the, you know, the biggest hunk of the time at which um, I was there together. So <laughs> there were just so many experiences and uh, remembrances that were just so, you know, did they just leave an indelible imprint. For example, just having the opportunity to, again, you know, witness a certain level, a certain level of um, spiritual, and holistic responsibility elevated within the community was massive. You know what I'm saying? That, that was like a massive thing. And to be able to go places where you know you have that support in place, like, you know, you could go to all the Buddhist vegetarian restaurants and know you were going to eat good. You know that there was going to be some good prayers put over your food. You know, you know, you could go to the temple and then you knew you could also have another experience. And that I've had incredible experiences. I recorded an album when I was in China, which was my first um, sound therapy album called The Violet Hangover. And I remember doing some work with the Chinese brother there that was a very um, well-renowned orchestra composer. And uh, <laughs> I mean, when he, it, when he opened me up to his world and he was just showing me some of the ways in which he did what he did, it was really amazing. Some of the performance experiences that I've had there were unlike any that I, I can, <laughs> were just special, you know. Um, I've done some work over there, just singing in nightclubs, but then I've done performances there where there are you know, thousands of people in the crowd and, and it was like a Beyonce situation where it's like lights on the stage, girl, smoke on the stage, fire on the stage. <laughs> Everything on the stage. A whole thing. It was like, wow. Now, I don't think they were all there for me. I just happened to be on the tab and I got uh -huh. the opportunity to have the experience. Nonetheless, it was grateful. It was great. And then, of course, and getting the opportunity to sit with some of the elders, understanding what that looks like listening to some of their stories, you know, um, learning the language as best I could, you know, diving in and out of some really incredible experiences, some scary experiences, um, but overall it was life changing, you know, and just to be in a, in a place where the energy amongst the people is just different anyway, you know, people actually come outside and they play, you know, they play deep into the night, the children are there, the elders are there, the women and the men, I can remember being in places where I seen what looked like might've been an 80 year old woman jump up in a tree, I said, this is different. Y'all doing something different over here, and I like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I mean, there were just numerous experiences that I had there that were just, you know, life-changing and um, really incredible. I can remember, you know, even recording the album there. There was a young Chinese brother, and he came up to me. He happened to be in the recording booth as I was recording. He came up to me, and he said, you know, I really wonder if you can teach me, teach me um, how to sing with feeling. And I just kind of sat back. I was like... Hmm. That's the first time I've ever been asked to do that. And at the moment, I was like, I can remember thinking, I don't necessarily know that I could teach you to sing with feeling, you know what I'm saying? But then as, but that conversation never left me. And as I went on throughout the years um, in my practice, I understood from a deeper level exactly what he was asking me to do. And it took some time for me to be able to interface with what that would mean, you know, if you're opening up this this arena for people to understand music as a holistic art and then driving in and pulling in all of these different forces and, and um, influences, you certainly can. 
because it's just really allowing a person to have a safe space or, you know, introducing a safe space for a person to tap into those spaces that bring that music out of you in a way that connects with another person intrinsically, you know, spiritually, subatomically, you know, all of that, you know, I think there's a sacred science to music, you know, it's definitely an alchemical thing for sure. For sure. Absolutely. And, and I, I think it, it sounds like you've really tapped into the vein of this like spiritual musical sound healing um, aspect that, that resonates with you so you can resonate it back out to other people. And I'm, I'm wondering, I want to go back to your time in China because we're both black women travelers <laughs> and, you know, Oftentimes these cultures that are incredibly homogenous, it can feel a bit isolating being the only black person in the room. Um, And I'm wondering what was your experience like, not as a musician in China, but also as a black woman with your child who is a little black girl, what was that experience like for you? Well, there were different experiences that came about at different times. I think that overall the experience was one where um, I never felt as if I was not welcome, per se. Um, There was just a very deep level of curiosity amongst the people to see, you know, they're wondering about your hair, they're wondering about your complexion, they're wondering, and, and, you know, to the point where they want to, they want to touch you, they want to touch your hair, you know, and because some of these places, it's like you, you have expats there, and you have a lot of teachers that are coming to do what I was doing, but we weren't necessarily, um, I could say we had a fair amount, you know, a fair amount of, um, of sisters that were there. I mean, I, I worked with, um, I worked with the sister that was there and a couple of sisters and, and I'm sure that they probably had some very similar experiences. Um, so there were times at which it, you know, it felt like that, like, you know, you were just kind of at times isolated. I never really felt necessarily, like I said, unwelcome, but there was definitely a deep curiosity. And then there were times in which you would run into a person who really knows what it is and they're, they're, they're bigging it up and giving it up to you because they're like, hey, we know what it is, you know. We absolutely commend you for who you are and your travels and your study and your story as a black woman. There were a lot of people that just knew what it was, you know, and that was really humbling, you know, and they didn't have any problems letting you know that's what it was. So I never really ran into um, heavy discrimination. Um, You know, I think just the average things that that an expat would run into, you know, in in a country such as that, when you're just kind of maneuvering around all of the natives, um, is is kind of been my experience. That's really great. Um, Curiosity is always going to be there, right, when they see someone who looks different. But the fact that they were so accepting of you in that space, that speaks volumes to not just who you are, but how... The, the landscape is changing for people who look like us who are out traveling, right? Yeah. So I do want to get into some of your training, but since we're talking about traveling and I do want this to be kind of some, some uh, pointers for people, like if someone were to approach you and say, you know, look, I love what you did when you went and you studied in Asia and I'm really interested in doing that, what advice would you give them um, to kind of take away some of the fear around it? Well, um, well, let me, let, me, let, me, let me say this. When I was in Asia, I did not do, the type of studying that I did was very simple. Like I took a couple, I took some music lessons on how to play uh, one of the traditional instruments there. But other than that, I did go there as a teacher. Um, so I didn't do a whole lot of extensive studying in that way. 
Um, the studying that I did, um, like I said, was, was more musical. But as a teacher, you know, I guess it just kind of depends on what you're going there for, you know. Is it leisure? Is, are, you know, are you going there as an expat? Are you desiring to kind of reside there? Um, okay, so the first thing I would say is know something about the culture that you're walking into. Know the do's and the don'ts. You know, know those things that are taboo because that's going to show a level of compassion and respect, which no matter where you go, people do love and respect that, you know. Know, know where you are. And to me, learn the language. Like, learn as much of the language as you possibly can. Doesn't mean you have to be absolutely fluent. But before you go to travel in any place, I think it's wise to learn a little something. You know, know the basics so that if you get caught out there, you're not caught out there. You know, um, I think also know the climate. You know what I'm saying? That's another really important thing, especially in these times, climates change so differently in terms of, you know, what's going on politically, socially, know the climate. Um, I think that hump to be humble is always very heavily revered, you know, and not only when you're in a country that is not your native one, but here at home. I think some of these same things apply as you move in and out of spaces with people whom you may not be, you know, uh, you may not have normally moved in those spaces. I think these are the types of things that we consider moving as conscious human around the globe, you know, just leaving a, a light footprint wherever we go. Um, I think, uh, and, and, you know, have an open mind. Have an open mind. I think um, be open to adventure, you know. I think that, you know, at this point, I think I would more so like to travel uh, with a partner. I've done a lot of you know, traveling, I felt kind of alone, you know, in some ways, and it was great. But, you know, I think it's good to have a buddy with you, you know, so you can have some experiences together and you can, you know, just kind of sharing what that means and how, how that looks. Um, I think that's, that's always a good thing. Um, so off the top, those would be the, the top things that I would say to, to be prepared to do. I think that's really great advice. In fact, that's usually the advice I give people as well. Um, so you came back, you came back and what was it like to return to the U.S. after having spent that time uh, so immersed in, in a culture that's so incredibly different? Mm -hmm. um, it was difficult. That was a very difficult period. And not only was it difficult, it lasted for years. And um, in fact, there was a, a friend of mine who actually came through my job that I work at here and she was my neighbor in China. And we were talking and I said, girl, tell me about your experience when you came back. Did you not grieve it? And what, does, what is the word for that grieving process that you have when you step back on this soil after having been somewhere where the intentionality, the lifestyle and everything is so much more different. And there was a certain level of freedom that you gathered in terms of being able to live in that way that you do not experience here as a black woman as a black man, you know what I'm saying? So even that in and of itself is super different. Having to come back and interface with the very things that lead most people away is rough. And then if you had a positive experience, like for me, it was very difficult. I went through um, the definite grieving process. It was very difficult for me to acclimate. I felt for the most part, um, I was always in the space of like, desirous and wanting to be back, wanting to go back and, you know, just kind of in my head comparing the things that I thought were just black and white differences um, from a positive and a negative perspective. And I think over time, it took time to, for that to wear off. So it wasn't an easy transition for me. 
because I was always yearning in my heart. I mean, I would dream about it. It was, it was a deep yearning and it took a while. How did that affect your practice? Um, I think within those yearning spaces, I think that for me, the yearning is like yearning a loved, a loved one, you know, learning, yearning a love. You know, there are quiet spaces that we go into as people to sit with that yearn, you know, to, to, to sit face to face, to, to let it come sit at the table and have a talk with it. So I think that I did a pretty decent job of kind of compartmentalizing um, where I was allowed to sit at the table with that yearning space, you know, and just really get into my head and heart about it. But at the same time, it was like, you cannot stop moving. You got to keep it moving. So I brought those things that I absolutely loved and those things that made me miss it so much back with me, you know, and I continued to just kind of carry the pieces of me that I could, the, the pieces of it that I could with me whenever I was wherever I was, you know. So by virtue of, you know, playing music on the harp or just by virtue of, you know, wearing some of the traditional garb that was gifted to me, you know, so I, I just kind of tried to keep it as close as I possibly can, could when I could. So I think in my practice, it just, um, it widened the view, you know, and it was comforting at the same time, because I did have something that I could kind of bring back and reminder. Um, and I think that at that point in time, I wasn't so, so heavy into my practice at that point. Like I had different periods in my practice doing different things in which it was more heavy and which it was a little bit more light. So at that time, which I was transitioning, you know, it was truly just a transitional period. You know, I think that I was doing more performancing, more performances at that point. So I was taking the uh, harp out and doing some performances, just kind of, you know, doing some things in schools and some things just around the way. Um, so I, I guess that's how it kind of fell on me in that way. Now, how did you get into hypnotherapy? What was that training like for you? Well, for me, I've always been interested in the science of the mind. I mean, if I wasn't a musician, I always say I would probably have been a neuroscientist. I absolutely love anything that has to do with the brain, anything that has to do with the conscious, subconscious awareness, because I think that that's where the gold lies. In fact, um, if we don't have, if we don't seek to have some level of understanding as to how our mind, you know, really is a constructive mechanism in the experiences and the manifestations that we bring forth in this life, then, then uh, you know, we may want to rethink that. You know, that's that's a huge thing. So for me, I think I've always been interested in the science of the mind since I've been rather young, and so hypnosis was just a natural draw. I was like, well, let me just go study and see what I can see, learn what I can learn. And I actually did start study over there with um, hypnosis. I did not go to school over there, but I started just to practice online there. And I ended up having to go through it again at another school. Um, I've just, again, I've always been interested in the science of mind. There's even with sound therapy, I, I have to combine the two because I think that they are a perfect marriage. You know, with hypnosis in particular, you know, there's that aspect of it that speaks to, um, there's a critical point in, in, in the brain that can kind of cut off your ability to receive what it is that you're going to receive with hypnosis if you do not believe that it's gonna work. But if you can bypass that by utilizing certain, um, you know, like using music or using other modalities to kind of, kind of bypass that and take you straight into that alpha wave level of awareness, then you can skip over some of that 
one person's not going to be able to have this experience while yet another person will because of their willingness. To me, I didn't like that there was that, that variable was at play. I think everybody should be able to have access to the success that they need in terms of their healing. And that was the one thing that I didn't really, yeah, it didn't move with me right. So I knew then I had to incorporate music in with it to kind of be that driving force to kind of move over that hump as to where now one person, two people, three people, everybody can still have a level of experience that's gonna be successful for them. So I started there because of my desire to learn anything I possibly could about the way the mind works. And when I was overseas, in fact, that's what I taught my students. Um, they gave us the liberty to teach them whatever we wanted to teach them as long as we taught them in English. So I put together a curriculum that taught them everything I knew about the science of mind, everything I knew about that. And it was incredible, absolutely incredible. So for me, Anytime I can um, expand upon that, talk about that, teach about that, be a vessel for that, um, I will. So that's where it started for me in terms of, of studying and, and hypnosis. I want to take that class. <laughs> <laughs> so you've talked about integrating hypnotherapy with music therapy, and recently you've added another layer with cannabis. And so how has that third component come into play for you? What brought you to that path? Well, I can say that what brought me to the path was just having the opportunity to sit with plant medicines in general. So a few years ago is when that journey started for me. And I started that journey um, with ayahuasca. That's where it started for me. And it was life-changing in terms of what it meant for me as a musician. It was absolutely life-changing as to where there were some blockages that I may have had as a musician and as a practitioner after having the opportunity to sit, um, it completely eradicated all of those blockages. So now as a musician, I feel as if there is a limitlessness that occurs because I had the opportunity to see just how music can work in a very spiritual way under the influence of our plant brothers and sisters. Um, being able to have that uh, awareness and feel it in your body and feel it in your spirit and have it never leave you changes you. So it allowed me to then know, okay, wow, I know that this plant medicine has this ability to do this thing with, you know, music works in cadence with all of these medicines. This is the reason as to why you see in indigenous cultures when they have all of these ceremonies, they're gonna have some music because music will guide the medicine through the body. It'll guide the medicine through the body. It'll tell a story, you know, so it's like we recognize that it's very essential. And when we think about cannabis in general, every, everyone who has had an experience with cannabis knows that cannabis goes beautifully with music. You know what I'm saying? Cannabis as a mother spirit plant to me has some very classic um, appendages. It's to where it's like, all right, if I'm going to, as a musician, as an artist, if I get a really beautiful strain of cannabis, I know that that's gonna be a proper spirit animal for me to just really kind of open up some gateways to my creativity. I think that unfortunately in this country and in a lot of countries, we just kind of use it like willy nilly. You know what I'm saying? And that's cool, it's not a judgment. But I think that there needs to be a definite pathway open to us understanding how it can be used in a very therapeutic perspective even outside of some of the ways in which it's most commonly known, when we think about it in places where it's legal, like California, and other places where it's legal, people use it for different, you know, physiological, you know, physical symptoms that you're having, you know, um, how it can affect the symptomologies of certain chronic diseases or acute situations. But then there's also that emotional and that mental piece that um, 
cannabis is so beautiful for. It's just beautiful. And I think that with cannabis, there's a certain way in which for me, I found it works really beautiful. It's like you find your spirit animal because I think every strain is not for everybody. You got to kind of find what works for you. And when you find that one that works for you, allow it to move through you, allow it to communicate with you. And when you become a friend with it, it becomes a friend with you and you learn very deeply its wisdom. So I think that it's a very fun ride when you take it that way. And then also the thing about cannabis is that when we think about how musical frequencies um, um, impregnate parts of our body and our psyche, you know, usually it's an opener. It's, she's, she, she, people call, people like to say it's a gateway drug, but to me, first of all, I don't think it's a gateway drug, but I definitely think it's a, it's a gateway medicine in that it begins to open up the gateway of the self so that you can just become so much more receiving and open to those things that can be very healing for you. So when we apply music on top of the fact that now we're looking at this, this plant substance, this plant um, friend that has the ability to open up these different areas of us where we are blocked, you know, she becomes a very deep aid and how we can use the medicine to drive deeper into some of the spaces that are much, um, much deeper than just a surface level kind of fun. And there's, not, and there's nothing wrong with that because that's great, nothing wrong with that. But I think that um, for me, utilizing sound therapy with cannabis is just like a, it's like, yes and yes, of course, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, you know what I'm saying? because. A lot of the time, especially if you're dealing with a group, and let's just say you're doing some vocal toning, you know, you may still run into some people that have some shyness. They haven't quite discovered their voice, and perhaps they don't know that it's not about how your voice sounds. It's just about the fact that you need to utilize your voice so that each and every one of us has the opportunity to then compound the energy of that which we're trying to express through our voice. And what Mama Madre Cannabis comes to do is she just open up the door like, go on through, it's okay, baby, go on through, you know? So that's why I like working with her. She's like, she's like Big Mama, you know? And I love her. She's like, come lay on my bosom, let me help you out a little bit. You ailing a little bit, let me help you. So I think that it's important for us to give her that level of reverence because in, because we don't talk about marijuana being used ceremonially, ceremonially unless you're talking about maybe in some of the cultures where you're in the island maybe in the islands you know where they're using a lot of it ceremonial you know for ceremonies and i think that it's going to become a wave I, I i hope that people kind of get with that but um i think they're just natural friends music and, and cannabis they're they're lovers you know they go very well together yeah, I, I, I love that idea of it being a friend as opposed to, you know, we put so much rhetoric around these entities that it really just demonizes it. You know, it's a way to feel fear when these are things that come from nature. They're things that people have been using as ceremonially for eons. <laughs> so, you know, kind of reframing it, I think, is really important. And I think on that vein of reframing things, because you're a sound healer, you're a medicinal musician, you're a hypnotherapist, but you are also a Black woman in this space that can oftentimes become incredibly whitewashed. And the things that, you know, we bring to the table can oftentimes seem um, be marketed as derivative or somehow dangerous. And I'm wondering, in that regard, 
what is it that you would like to see as a black woman for this field of wellness that is sound therapy, that is plant medicine, and that is hypnotherapy? Well, I, I definitely for sure want to see, I want to see growth, deep growth. And I think there are a lot of sisters that are practicing in these ways, because I've seen a lot of sisters practicing in sound therapy um, over the last couple of years. And it's joyous. It's like, it is a complete joy spring to see us kind of in some of these spaces doing our thing. And the thing about it is that um, I think that there's something that comes with the feminine quality. And this is not to negate the power of the masculine at all. But it's just to speak upon that, which I know as a woman, you know, I think that there's something to be said about that quality that comes through to nurture in her healing. You know what I'm saying? Because when you when you think about the times that we're in, you know, there is this aspect of um, fire this kind of erupting from the surface. But when we think about that fire that erupts from the surface and we think about a child who's been burned, you know, usually what come usually you're going to have to apply some nurture to that. So there needs to be some balance. You know what I'm saying? In terms of what it is that we can offer. And I think that the way that um, things move through feminine and move through masculine, um, they have a different degree of something about them, just simply because you're moving through different vessels. And of course, we both have masculine and feminine qualities and principles. So that's not to negate that. But just speaking, you know, very simply, you know, there's something that a woman brings and there's something that a man brings. You know, that's just what it is, you know, and that's not to say that neither man nor woman can bring through the, the masculine and the positive, you know, the, the feminine quality of whatever it is that they have to offer. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all, but I, I want to see so much more of us just kind of bringing it to light as black women, because there is so much of who we are that is demonized. There's so much of who we are that is over-sexualized. There's so much of who we are that is just put in a box of all things taboo you know, all things misunderstood, all things unkept, uncared for. And that has got to stop. And when we talk about these arts, it gives us the opportunity and the, the um, it gives us the opportunity to just kind of show our way, you know, because there's a way in which black women move that is very particular to who we are. And there's a way in which we heal. And there's a way in which we speak. There's a way in which we give what we have to give that is specific unto who we are because of all of our experiences, because of just how we have had to move in these spaces. You know, as a black woman, we carry that debris on us and how we move through that becomes our testimony, it becomes our story. So if then if we're utilizing the power that has come from those things to then move through our artistry, move through our work, move through our healing practice, it's gonna have a different fragrance to it. So I think that it's needed because of the nurture, it's needed because then you have a different level of understanding. It's needed because you need to see these, these faces. You need to see black women coming through and just banging with the power that we come to offer because we are that. And this is, that's not, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to celebrate all women. But I know as a black woman very directly what it is that I have to offer. I can't speak to any, anybody else, you know what I'm saying? So in light of that, I want to see it grow. You know what I'm saying? I want to see it move. I want to see it grow. And I think that um, as I'm speaking, it's happening. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's a happening thing. And I think that also what's happening as well is that I think as Black folks in general, um, there's something happening in terms of what we know and how we are going to apply that to our music artistry that speaks to healing 
And I think that that's a, it's like a it's like a peony. It's like gently blossoming. But I think within the next few years, you're going to really see a high level of us coming through again, bringing forth much more um, medicine through our music, much more intentionality through our music, and then really kind of popping that creativity in a way that's going to look way different than it's been looking for a while. Because there was an era at which it was prominent. You know, when I talk about our Alice Coltrane, when I talk about Dorothy Ashby. When I talk, well, you know, there was a there was a time in which this type of stuff was prominent. So everything just kind of doubles back on itself. So I can't wait to see. It. I'm glad to be a part of it, and um, I'm here to encourage every every everyone that feels as if you know that's something that they want to bring. But in particular, sisters have that energy and that power and that strength and that sustenance and nurture that they want to bring through in their practice. And it looks like this. Bring it on, because we need you. We need all. We need it. You know. We need it. Yeah. For real. No, I, I 100% stand behind that. And I do believe that we're seeing more of us coming forward and more of us embracing the gifts that, that have been placed on our path. And I guess the, the flip side of that question to, for me is, you know, we have this resurgence, I think, of healers coming forward, but there are also lots of people who need to be healed, right? So what do you say to someone who may not necessarily feel like this healing modality is marketed for, to them or even for them to kind of get them to be able to feel comfortable coming to have a session and to explore the healing qualities of sound and of hypnotherapy and of cannabis? There's a division point here in that um, usually with, with cannabis and music it's it's definitely more ceremonial so that you know i think when it comes to plant medicines and ceremony people kind of like the spirit kind of finds its way into that type of thing you know what i'm saying the spirit the spirit always kind of knows its path you know and i think that that's true when it comes down to certain things because they do have a certain energy about them they bring forth a certain level of something so, but in terms of um, sound therapy in particular, especially if we're talking about like sound hypnosis, which is what I do, or just having a basic um, Tibetan bowl sound therapy treatment, which I understand for a lot of people, especially where I live, it's a bit of a notion that's like, well, I don't even know where to begin in terms of what, what that looks like. Um, so there is a, there's a handsome bit of explaining that you have to do, you know, oftentimes. Um, and what I would do is go out into the community. There's been a, um, some places where I've been able to go and just kind of set up and give people samples of what it is that you have to offer. Because with that kind of thing, it's like they got to kind of feel it. You can't just say, well, this is what I do because it's something you've never heard of. You have to be in the space, on the spot and say, well, here, why don't you lay and let, let me let me give you a little example of how this could benefit you. Um, then the other thing is just kind of sliding it in on, on the back end. So uh, one of the other things that I do is... Um, it's an event called Trap and Tone, where I utilize the anatomy of hip hop and in particular the bones of trap music as a foundation for um, sound therapy group sessions. So we'll tone and we'll use different vowel sounds that are attributed with different chakras in the body and we'll use you know, maybe different notes that go with a particular chakra in the body. And we'll tone as a group, but the basis and the foundation of it is trap music because essentially when you break down the bones of any music, any any genre, 
you can understand how the composition of it can be very healing. You can break it down or you can listen to it in its entirety. Once you have a sensitive system, then you, it's very clearly to see where you can still get some, get some you know, feeling from it. For example, you know, sometimes if I'm not feeling really good, you know, I may be riding in my car and I may need to put on some music that's very bass heavy because the vibration of it just kind of shakes some things up in my body. It moves my blood in a different kind of way and it makes me feel better. And, you know, yeah, I may need to be conscious of what the message is on the back end of that, you know, but sometimes to be quite honest with you, depending on what type of sensitive you are, you can block that out and just get what you need, you know? So um, I think that there, I, I try different ways because I understand that this is not like traditional massage and that you come and, you know, it's not like the physical massage that people usually are associating with that, which they know most commonly. So there's a little bit of conversation that has to happen. And again, you got to kind of throw it in another kind of way for people too. And once they open up, they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'm open to trying something else, you know? So that's usually how that has to work. Um, yeah. And I, I think there's a, there's a beauty in meeting people where they are. Right. Mm -hmm. So I may not necessarily know what you're going to do with that bowl, but I know what happens when you turn on this song. I know yeah. what happens in my body. And yeah. so I'm going to be able to receive this other part of it because you've given me something that I, that's familiar to me. My next question is what would you like to see for this community as a whole going forward? The wellness community, that kind of nebulous umbrella of, that encompasses so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that I would like to see, first of all, I would just like to see it on a grand scale. You know how, I mean, just for example, you know, I would like to see big, wide open opportunities for us to be all in the same space at one time where you have these big festivals, these big spiritual festivals all over, you know, I would love to see, I would love to see that from us, you know what I'm saying, where you have the opportunity to kind of meet different practitioners, experience some of these things, you know, and have different people in the community that just have all types of wonderful things to offer to come under the same umbrella, because not only is it's important for us to commune amongst ourselves within our community but essentially we got to be able to reach the people who this is not even their thing you know so it's like to have an opportunity as to where that curiosity can take place you know you can ask questions you can say hmm, well i've never i've never heard of this before i you know i don't i i don't know anything about this but i'm curious you know you're in a space where your curiosity can run free so i want to see a co-mingling of all of our thought processes together so that we can then become much more whole in our understanding of how this can work, you know, as an ecosystem of wellness. And like you said, meeting each person where they are, because I think there's healing and interfacing with people where they are, just where they are, because how do you, it's like, how do you know where lightness is if there is no dark? You need those people, you know what I'm saying? We need those dark parts of ourselves. We need the light within ourselves. So I think that I wanna see just more of us all getting it in together on a lot of different mm -hmm. um, levels. I want to see it kind of blossom in different arenas, you know, artistically. You know, I want to see it visually. I want to see it sonically. I want to see it physically. I want to see us play with it. I can't wait until these types of things begin to become, because I think they are rather prominent. I mean, this is nothing new you know, far from me. I mean, we've been doing stuff like this for goodness gracious eons all over the world. This is really nothing new. But especially here as I've experienced it on our soil, I just want to, I can't wait to see the creativity rise in terms of what we're going to do with all of this. 
I want to see a, a great big hug amongst us. And that is like, you know, I love what you do. You love what I do. Let's get together and do some things, you know. I like that. Um, I want to see much more education where we're able to then pass this along. And of course, just, just the genuine prominence of it spreading amongst our community because it's so needed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, For sure. And I, I love that idea of more of us getting together and just having like our, our Black Wellness Festival, you know, like our Afropunk, where we can all just be on stages and, you know, sharing those gifts with other people. Um, so my last question I'm going to ask you is, um, what is a question that you wish people would ask you? Hmm, that's a great question. <laughs> okay, I think that this will be best. Like, I don't know how to, to phrase it, but I think that um, what I find sometimes is when I talk about this, you know, as a musician and as an artist, you know, I, I started out not necessarily bumping in this way. I started out doing things a little bit differently um, as, as they would call in the church in a very secular way, you know, which I still get down that way, you know, that's, that's how it is. Uh, <laughs> so, I think that when you talk about sometimes health and wellness, people don't even, they don't even think that. They don't even think about the contrast of how that came about sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's like the conversation just kind of stays there and there's nothing wrong with that because it's just, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So I think sometimes it's like you want to have the opportunity to have questions asked that can show the humanity of how things came to be or just what it is that you have to offer. I consider myself to be just a down-ass homegirl. So I like to talk to people in that way. I, you know, like the, the fluffy stuff is, is cool, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, I know there's that part of me that's just so homegrown and <laughs> it's comfortable for me that way. So I always like when people... And I don't have a specific question that I could say, honestly, Ray, that I wish people would ask. I, I guess just the whole vibration is, you know, if you could just kind of, you know, fly with both wings out sometimes, you know, and you can, but, you know, I guess that's the best way I can answer that. If you do think of an answer, you send it to me and we'll, we'll talk about it. But for time's sake, and I do want to be respectful of your time and everyone else's time, would you... Um, still be up for gracing us with some sound. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start. Um, we'll start with the flute, and I got to give some shouts out. Um, there's a brother out in, in Georgia, and uh, his name is William Rodriguez, and he sometimes holds workshops on teaching people how to play, make flutes. And so I went there one year and um, had the opportunity to make this flute. Um, and he's just so wonderful. So I had to shout him out because, you know, he still does that thing. And he's um, out in Georgia for anybody who's interested in flutes and want to maybe make their own flute. Um, so I'll play a little bit of flute. And the flute, I have to explain because this is a very interesting story. The flute to me is one of the most sacred instruments that you can play because it's just an interpretation of how breath moves from your body into this, into this instrument. You know, and then that interpretation to me comes from really what is within. Um, so it's a very spiritual instrument to me, very sacred tool. And um, it's one of the instruments that I say, people say, well, how long have you been playing the flute? And I will tell you that I've tried for years, but honest to goodness, Ray, one day I woke up 
and I could play it, I promise. And it was like, what happened? Really, what happened? There was no like years of practice and studying, you know, it was the strangest phenomenon. And I think it was because maybe I had been playing other instruments and stuff as much as I could. So it was like, maybe the understanding just kind of clicked. I don't know what happened, but that happened. I was like, well, thank you. All I can say is thank you. <laughs> it was, you know, I wish it would happen like that with some other instruments, but nah, I, I, but I'll be thankful for this for sure. Um, let's see, we'll play. Now I'm going to test a little bit. If you could tell me what the sound is like, um, that, you tell me if you guys can hear this from here. I'll just give a little test. Can you hear? Can you hear the sound? Okay, so. just a little something from um, the food. And this is actually made out of cedar, which is one of the ancestral woods, which is really nice. Um, and that's just a little something from the flute. Um, and then I'll play a little something from uh, the Gujong. And it is, it's a Chinese zither. It's a harp. And a lot of people, you will understand, once you hear it, you'll understand very quickly that you've heard the sound before. If you are an Asian fight flick, fiend such as myself, then you've heard it before in all of the classic movies. Thank you. 
I had such a great time sitting down with Venetia and talking about all of the amazing things that she's doing with her wellness practice. It was really cool to hear her talk about her time in China and also her work with the science of the mind. And hopefully you were able to take away some resources and some tools that you can use to help add to your wellness and your life. And if you want more from Venetia, you can follow her on IG at Venetia Running Wolf, and I'll put that in the show notes. And you can also follow Black Women in Wellness at BWIW underscore interviews. I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, if you want more information about what's going on here, you can find us on the web at blackwomeninwellness.com, where we're always updating information about upcoming interviews, classes, and events. So, Till next time, good people, be safe and be well.